Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey podcast with Dr. Dan, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issue, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Counseling and Therapy Services at 301-325-1550. Our website is lifecoach.amzalike.com. Today, I'm very excited to have on our podcast on season two, episode number eight, a very special guest, Sophie Frabora. Just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Sophie, the floor is yours. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I think that is such a good point because most people butcher people's bios. <laughs> so I just think that this is great. Um, hello, everyone. I am Sophie Froboda. I am a spiritual life coach, guide, and mentor. Um, I've been coaching for the past 14 years and have worked with many individuals and developed a method called the four R's method, which is a process that most people go through from wounded to freedom. Um, and I teach that method in my spiritual life coach certification program, which is one of my main focuses at this point, um, certifying spiritual life coaches and teaching people how to do this deeper um, spiritual, emotional, and mental healing work so that we can actually achieve the, the freedom that most are seeking. Um, I also have some other online courses and um, work with very few private clients these days, but um, they, I do have them. I, and I work with a lot of men. It's, it's kind of strange. All my marketing is geared towards women, but I, you know, 60% of my private clients are male. And um, I just love working with the masculine. I'm, I'm really, really big into balance. Uh, you know, I know we're in the midst of the rise of the feminine, but that does not mean we have to be putting down the masculine because it's about being in balance. Um, so I am all for all genders and that we rise up together and we find our best self and we ultimately live from a healed state um, so that we can feel that freedom and live our life purpose. Beautiful. Well, that's a very interesting kind of, you know, introduction. Um, <laughs> tell me what brought you to become a spiritual coach. It must, something must have happened in your life that you had this kind of self-awakening. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I just kind of, I guess I'll tell my story. You know, it was 20 years ago and I was um, in my undergrad. I was going to college in Springfield, Massachusetts, and I was a hot mess. I was um, doing drugs. I was drinking. I was having a ton of anxiety and depression. Um, and then I turned to food to try to soothe. And then I became bulimic. So I was just this conglomerate of chemical nightmare walking around. Um, and I was also in, un, I like to say, an undiscovered at that point empath. So I was able to feel on such a deep level and had no, no differentiation uh, or um, what, it, what word was that? Uh, I had no way to tell the difference between my emotions and theirs. So I can remember like walking to class and feeling happy and excited. And then all of a sudden feeling depressed and suicidal all within 15 steps. And I thought it was me, but I came to learn that it was my gift that I hadn't learned to use yet. 
uh, which I've learned to use in my career. I'm a highly sensitive empath and um, have some other spiritual gifts that I've tapped into along the way. But so anyways, 20 years ago, here I am, this hot mess. I come home for Easter 2001 to visit my parents and they take me to church. So I'm sitting in church and the pastor starts preaching about a start in new beginnings. And I was just like, man, I could use a start. I could use a new beginning. God, if, if you're real, come into my life, help me because I'm, I'm drowning. And I had no idea what I opened up when I said that. But later that afternoon, I ended up confessing to my mom that I was doing drugs, that I was drinking, that I was throwing up my food, that I didn't want to live anymore. I just confessed it. And now if you know anything about bulimia, you know that it's a secret. It's a secret disorder. And that's a big part of it. It's almost like that's the friend. That's the friendship that you get, this weird convoluted secret. So exposing it is is very, very, uh, it feels like you violated yourself if you expose it. So anyways, here I am, my eyes wide open, like, holy crap, what did I just do? And my mom, who was a very spiritual style um, parent, she leaned forward and she was like, okay, Sophie, you have three weeks of school left till the end of the semester. I need you to go back to school. Don't do any drugs. Don't drink any alcohol and don't throw up your food. You can eat as much as you want. But can you make me a promise to not do three of those things for three weeks? And something in me just knew that if I said yes, I would mean it. And so I gave her my yes. And I had no idea that that yes would be what ended up saving my life. Um, the next week at school, it was a party week and I was a designated driver. And um, one of my friends was killed in a car accident. Oh, wow. Okay. And sitting at her funeral, unable to cry, which anyone who knows me knows how weird that is for me, um, so chemically imbalanced, I felt God whisper past my ear again and say, Sophie, you've been given a second chance. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, I have no freaking clue. Mm -hmm. So I went into therapy. I had some mild improvements. Um, and then I found life coaching through a TV show called Starting Over on NBC back in 2003, 2004. And I started having rapid improvements in my mind, my body, my emotions, and my spirit. I started putting things together and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I need to like get my life back together. I need to go back to school. I got my, um, and, and I like cried out to God and I was like, God, if you get me through this darkness that I have been in, I will dedicate my life to serving others and helping them climb out of theirs. So it was that commitment somewhere along my healing journey that now I am living. And so when people ask, how did you get into this work? I find it really hard to explain it without sharing that story and without sharing that commitment and the power of our word and the power of our heart connecting with our word. Um, because I made that commitment. God showed up for me. So now I am showing up to serve God and, um, divinity, whatever you want to call it. I'm not religious. I use a lot of different spiritual terms. Um, to me, it doesn't matter the terms we use. It's more important the connection that we have to infinite source. So that's how I got into this work. Um, 
You know, it, I started my own business back in 2007 when everyone thought I was crazy. I had a stable job, but I couldn't, I couldn't take one more moment of doing non-meaningful work. And I took a leap and I started seeing clients um, as a spiritual life coach and slowly built my business. And um, now at this point, I've worked with over, I've had over 10,000 hours of sitting in one-to-one spiritual healing spaces with people. And um, that's when I, you know, decided to create my certification program and start teaching people how to do this deeper, very unique healing work with people. Wow. That is a very deep stories you got there, Sophie. Now, um, did spiritual coaching help you deal with uh, bulimia or, or did you have to go through another process for that? Because I'm sure that the promise that you made to your mom didn't really eradicate this eating disorder. So what really did help you with that? So, you know, I do believe in divine intervention and um, I can, I, I honestly can share that since I said, yes, I will not throw up my food. I never threw up my food again, but I gained weight right? Because that's part of why we're throwing up is because we're gaining weight. So I gained the weight. I had like, I I had a shift of authenticity because part of bulimia is like this weird, uh, I call it like a pencil and eraser situation where you write and then you try to erase it. And so it's like, it never happened. And that that's just not an authentic path. Like we need to take responsibility for what we do, what we say, what we put in our mouth. And so I do believe that I had a divine intervention at that point that helped me not, not throw up my food, but that wasn't really the problem. The problem was the compulsion. The problem was that I used food to soothe. I didn't know how to um, it, like process my highly sensitive emotions and my ability to sense others. So I would use food as a barrier and, and to mute all that so that I could um, deal with my day to day. So yes, I, I, de- I did a lot of work in the eating disorder space and dealt with all the stuff that I wanted to push down because I didn't want to keep gaining weight. So that was then my motivation is how do I actually lose weight? Well, I got to shift my eating habits. That means I can't use food to soothe. That means I have to start to deal with myself. Wow. Okay. Now, just like uh, professional bodybuilders, they all look at themselves in the mirror and they still feel they're not big enough or muscular enough. Have you dealt with body dysmorphia? Yes. Yeah. It's that, that's a, that's a, a really, I feel like that's like a spiritual um, blindfold mm-hmm. that just, you know, it's, it's this weird thing that comes over that you can't see what others see. And you have this weird subconscious limiting belief system that is so blocking a lens. Mm -hmm. And until you do the inner work, I believe, to really get down to the bottom of what you're really trying to portray, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, if I want to be bigger or smaller, why? What's the motivating force? Does that make me acceptable then? Does that mean that if I can get to this, this metric, that then I'll be worthy, then I'll be acceptable, then I'll be lovable. Well, if we, if we acknowledge that and actually start to work on, I am lovable, I am acceptable, cellulite, low muscle mass, whatever it is, I am whole and loved now. So I don't need to prove it on the external realm. And that's where the healing can take place. And that's a long journey, especially with the dysmorphia. That's a, that's a rather tangled one that I have 
I have seen in terms of um, some of the things that can really block us on our path. So um, the people, or I would say the client that you help through your program, those who have not gone something as drastic as you did, how can they connect with your message? How can they learn about spiritual guidance or how to use your program and help their own client? Because obviously this is something that is outside the realm of just life coaching or business coaching or executive coach, whatever it is, it's more spiritual. So again, you're talking about divine intervention. Uh, you got that, that message from God to be able to, for you to uh, take accountability of your action, make the changes that you have to make, but that does not apply for everyone. So how can you allow others to connect the same way that you did? So um, what I have found in all the students that have I have worked with over the past couple of years since I've been in my uh, certifying coaches is everyone has a story and everyone has pain points and everyone has had a trauma. Like we, we can't come into earth without experiencing some sort of trauma where the stress response has been triggered. It hasn't been discharged properly. And that is just continuing to cycle through our system. So what we do in our certification program ultimately is, is the deep healing on the individual first, because I'm a firm believer. If I haven't walked in the depth of my pain, how am I going to sit with you and yours? Exactly. If I haven't cried at the pit of my soul, how am I going to be able to be with you when we need to go there for you? So our, our whole approach is deep healing on, on the individual first so that they gain the confidence of how to really help somebody and sit with somebody and move somebody through their own. So that it's not the story. The story never heals us, right? The story, no matter how long we tell the story, it's not going to heal us. What we need to find is, is the root wounds that are attached to the story that are, are operating as false belief systems that are triggered uh, or that are sitting in the subconscious and moving into our, the way we see the whole entire world. If we can interrupt that process, that's when you see real change. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so as, uh, and, and actually it's, it's, it's interesting because a few, uh, I think a week or two weeks ago, I had an intro call with someone who is also who is dealing to be an HSP, a highly sensitive person. And he, you know, his story is going to share it uh, later on. But, you know, he said that he's carrying the weight of the world on him because of, you know, him feeling empathy for everyone, for their problem, etc. How did you combine dealing with all this, having bulimia, having, you know, you taking drugs, et cetera. I mean, after, after to a certain point, your mind just cannot handle all that, all those external you know, stimuli. So what do you do to be able to manage all this as a highly sensitive person? So I think the biggest thing is, is one awareness and having, you know, I have a very strong um, holistic practice that I do every single day. I call it um, your BEMS, your body, emotion, mind, and spirit. And I exercise every single one of those every single day. So um, in my, I meditate every single day. I, I, I don't really miss a day ever. Um, I journal out my emotions to understand what I'm feeling. So I take an energetic inventory of where I am. Therefore, if I know where I am, I know if I go to the grocery store and I pick up something, it's, it's not mine. And so I can energetically let it go. So if I know who I am, I can also know who I am not. And that's a big thing for highly sensitive. I'm a highly sensitive empath. So um, 
knowing where I stop and others begin is a huge practice of mine, but it takes maintenance. So I meditate to get the spirit aligned, to really understand what's happening in my inner body. I journal to really understand emotionally what I'm feeling. I read, not, not just listen to audiobooks, but actually read words. Once I've cleared my mind, uh, my, my emotions, my palate, now I can actually start to download new concepts, right? So every day putting in something new that can help me gain that mental mastery. Um, and then I work out, you know, whether it's yoga running, I'm, I, I'm not a long runner, but I run two miles four to five days a week and do yoga and move my body constantly to make sure that I'm in tune with my blood and I have good posture and I'm walking strong and I feel like I'm at my peak regardless of my age, I can always be at my peak. So um, that maintenance, I would say, is what helps me then be able to decipher, is this mine or not? If I'm carrying the weight of the world, I'm carrying a lot of stuff that is not mine. And so then I, it, it actually limits the way I can serve. If I've taken on too much and I don't have good energetic boundaries, how am I actually going to be of my highest service? I need to have better boundaries. Very, very good point. Now, do you, in your uh, program, do you offer strategies on how to connect body and mind? Because I know a lot of people, they're not in sync, unfortunately. So, and as you know, if someone is physically ill, it's hard for them to stay positive or vice versa. So is there a way for you to be able to kind of like try to disconnect, reboot, and try, try to recreate a new connection? You know, you sound like the expert on that one. <laughs> Because um, I've never really thought about it like that. I'm actually more interested in hearing what you do around that. Um, because like for me, I, I do a lot of inner work. So it's like when we go into eyes closed, but totally awake mode, we can search the body. We can find the energy. I believe everything starts as energy. So any illness, any breakdown started somewhere. At, on an energetic level. And the way that we find that is not through looking at our body with physical eyes. It's through going within and connecting to that your hip and really exploring what's going on in your hip. Why is there disintegration of the, the top of that hip bone? Or why is there such bad acid in the stomach? You know, that when you correlate the chakras and understand the, that ancient knowledge and the associations with organs and emotions, you can start to really understand what is happening on si inside the body. So I guess that would be a way that we are connecting the mind and the body, but I'm, I'm more interested in how you're doing it. <laughs> Obviously, the, the cognitive aspect of uh, changing someone's behavior, attitude, behaviors, etc. we focus a lot on the past. We try to understand the core understanding or the more the, the, the core reason as to why someone behaves the way they do right now. Uh, people who come to a psychotherapist is because either they had childhood trauma and they take that trauma and they bring it into in today. And they do not know how to separate themselves from who they were in the past and who they are today. So for example, if you look at dissociated disorders, okay, which is, has been um, renamed as before it was multiple personality and now it's dissociated disorders. So um, every, in every uh, one's life, they go through a traumatic experience. So for example, someone who's five years old, and their parents are beating them up or they're being you know, physical violence, they're gonna create uh, another personality that will be that person who's gonna help them cope with the physical trauma. But that person or that entity or identity, if you would call it, stay with them 
at that age, which means that they're going to have the brain of a five-year-old. Even though if the same person is 20, 25, that five-year-old will suddenly come at any given time in their life when they experience the same pain. So for me, when I deal with clients that are, or patients that are dissociated, that have that disorder, I have to understand, okay, who is that person that just came out? So even though they have six, seven, eight different personalities, you start learning when they pop up because also the mentality or the brain still stays as the one that when they were five years old or 10 or 12 or 15, they build those identities at certain time of their lives. And then they be able to bring them back at any given time where they feel that they've gone a similar trauma as they did in the past. So again, if I go back to answering your question, it's, it's all about how you manage their, um, I would say their emotions at, at, at that given time. So it's, it's very challenging. Again, I never deal with schizophrenia because that is a different ballgame. I always send them to a psychiatrist, but other disorders, it's something that I can work with and I can understand exactly why this person popped up at a certain time. Um, if we go back to spiritual guidance that you offer to all of your clients and, uh, and customers, I can feel that if you have to be somewhat connected in a spiritual level, and I see now in our society, there's none of that. It's, it's becoming more and more harder because of all the, the fake news, all the, the people, the influencers on, on Instagram. We all live in a matrix. We all live in a world that we create on our own that we want to live, and we're too afraid to, to face reality. And that's where I see this disconnect as we're talking about between mind and body, because the mind wants to see what they're comfortable in seeing. And they don't realize who they are as an individual because they focus too much on who other people are as individuals. Yes, fascinating. Yes. That is like I, the fact that you can break it down like that, um, going back to the, the part of them that pops up. You know, um, it, I do a lot of inner child healing work with people. It's all, it's, it's not based in traditional psychology. A lot of my, my, I got my master's in transpersonal psychology. So it's, it's just a di- kind of looking at the different end of the spectrum. We're looking at human potential rather than human breakdown. Um, but still that, I mean, it's so important. Like, I, it's like, we're saying the same thing. We just say it so in different ways, but it's, it's so cool how, this information, this intelligence finds us and then allows us to help others through it, you know, and it, it's packaged differently across different industries or across different uh, specific professions. But um, I love that. I love that you're able to help people with that. What a gift. It is. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting that you said, uh, Sophia, about you having that sixth sense. You see, I mean, we have the, the traditional five cents that uh, we've been given, but then there's six and seven cents that we create with experiences, that we create with um, understanding who we are as individual. And a lot of people, sometimes they fear. They fear who they are. And, and one of the, the, the case where we, we deal with imposter syndrome, okay, where we see people to say, well, I'm faking my way to success, or I, I'm here on the TED Talk, but who am I to be able to give a talk if I don't even understand myself? So they go through that constant negativity in their mind. And instead of like starting to gear all their energy into something more positive, they stay in that zone. And that zone is kind of like 
even though it's very familiar to them because they prefer familiarity than something new, they prefer staying in that zone, understanding about, okay, well, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a fake. I'm, a, I'm like an imposter. I'm this and that. And they just don't get out of this uh, sector and they stay in. And this is why they come and see a therapist is because they want to be able to not feel this weight on their shoulder, always thinking that they're worthless. So I think the spiritual guidance behind it will offer something different than what a psychotherapist can offer. So I think it's a, it's a good combo because and this is why there are divisions in the sector of psychology. You, what you do, you've been gifted with that power. And it is a power, come to think of it, because if you had a divine intervention coming into your life, not a lot of people have had that privilege to have that word with God. And yes, you may say that you're not religious. You may say that it's something that you never believed that there was this entity from above that was going to come in and I would say, um, help you go through those difficult challenges and save you. But it happened. And it happened because of a certain reason that you're going through. So I think what you do and what we do as actually a psychotherapist complement each other. And it's really, really interesting how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm often saying that, um, you know, people will say, well, what's the difference between coaching and therapy? And I say, well, I like to break it down very simplistically. Um, they both answer different questions. Like therapy answers the questions, why am I here? Why, why am I where I am now? And so it's a looking back and a reflecting and a, a acknowledging. And coaching, typically, typical life coaching is, uh, where do I want to go? That's the question they're answering. Now, with spiritual life coaching, I like to say we bridge the gap. Um, because we do healing work. We don't do therapy, but we do healing work. And then, you know, my four R's method, which is recognize, release, reprogram, radiate, uh, is the four phases that people move through to get to that healed point. And that could take 10 years. That could take 10 minutes. You know, it, it depends on their resistance and the depth of the issue. But ultimately, we need to recognize what the real issue is. Then we need to release the stale energy. Then we need to reprogram that space with new energy. That's where affirmations come in to plug in. And then we get to radiate that new frequency, that new uh, being that we've stepped into becoming. Beautiful, beautiful. So if anyone wants to be able to learn about your program, uh, Sophie, and uh, become a spiritual guidance or spiritual coach, how can they find you? Um, so our website, awakenwithsophie.com is um, the, one of our main websites. That's where we have our certification and our programs, where we um, have a lot of free resources too. I like to really drive this point home. We have over 35 free meditations on our website that you can just listen to. They're, they're uh, organized by playlist, like clearing your energy, balancing your chakras, um, cutting cords, activating your self-love, calming down, different, different categories that um, a lot of our meditations that have been recorded live, we'll take those and repurpose them, put them on our website so that people can enjoy um, and, and get into that. They all range from like eight minutes to 18 minutes. They're not that long. So I encourage people, you know, what people will ask, what is one thing that I can do like that I could start today? And I'm like, close your eyes and meditate. Get a guide. If you don't know how to meditate, get find a guided meditation. You don't have to do this alone. Um, five minutes. 
just start the practice and try to do that once this week. And then next week, try to do it twice. Because as you start to tune inward, things become more clear. It's hard to explain. You can look at all the scientific data on how much meditation does. Anyway, sorry, I'm going on. But um, that is what we have a lot of free resources on our website. We have workshops and worksheets and all sorts of stuff. Awakenwithsophie.com is where we have all this. So Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that is all the time that we have for today's uh, podcast. I really do appreciate you, Sophie, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Thank you all for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode, and I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season two of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are 12 ways to stay mentally strong. One, don't fear alone time, as time with yourself is very precious. Two, don't dwell on the past, as you cannot control it. Three, don't feel the world owes you, so stop with this entitled mentality. Four, don't expect immediate result, as it takes 10 years for an overnight success. Five, don't worry about pleasing everyone, especially the naysayers. Six, don't waste time feeling sorry for yourself, as you have no time for that. Seven, don't waste energy on things that you cannot control. Stop with this type A personality. Eight, don't let others influence your emotions. You are in control of it. Nine, don't resent on other people's success as everyone has a different journey. 10, don't shy away from responsibilities. You should take control of your own. 11, don't give up after the first failure as the acronym fail means first attempt in learning. And finally, 12, don't fear taking calculated risk as you can control them. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.